can see you. And those people watching on Zoom, have we got, how many have we got there, um, Hazel? Eight. Yeah, you wouldn't have heard what Dave had to say because he wasn't using a mic, so um, you'll need to try and find that out sometime. It's all right, don't worry. Anyway, I'm going to move back a little bit. and um, Now, you've all got name tags on, haven't you? Just remember, Jesus has called you by your name. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Mine ever diminishing. But um, those name tags, you've got that name and he's called you. And we're going to be looking at our last, uh, last talk of the series of the, the two, two books of Thessalonians. And I'm just going to read this first passage here. We ought always to thank God for you. This is from 2 Thessalonians 1. Brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith, and in, sorry, in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So let's just ask God to bless us just uh, the first little bit. But the reading of God's word is the most important part. Just remember God's word. If you don't remember a word I say, I've read that. Um, that's that's the real the real message there. Let's just let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now that we've been worshiping you this morning. We've been praising you. We've been coming into your presence. And Father, just thank you that you have welcomed us. And now, Lord, I pray that you would just bless your word to us. Lord, that you would open our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And as we all know, the main thing, when you do an activity, if you go on a long-distance you know, long run or you do a, a bit of hill walking or fell walking or whatever it is, Keep going at all costs. The moment you stop, it's harder to get started again. Now, we have a certain amount, number of very distinguished runners and uh, uh, you know, physical, physical athletes in our midst this morning, and I'm not one of them. But um, keep going, I think, is a vital thing. In the small amount of experience I have, you've got to keep going. And this is what Paul the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. Keep on going. But that's one of his main messages. The other main message is that Jesus is coming again. Does that thrill you? Or does it scare you? Jesus is coming again. So keep going. And he, he says there, We boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials. So we need to know a little bit about what persecutions and trials they were undergoing. And to do that, we need to go back a little bit. We need to look at how the church in Thessalonica was actually formed. Now this church, next year, is 70 years old. I know, not the building. The building's not 70 years old. Parts of it are newer than others. But even the oldest part of the building is not 70 years old. 
because this building is not the church. You folks are the church. And you continue that line that was established back in 1954 when Winston Churchill was Prime Minister. Yes. And just along the road there in the boxing club there, it wasn't a boxing club in those days, that is where Harefield Church was established. And I don't think we suffered the persecution that the church in Thessalonica did. So let's just have a little look back. We're going to go back into the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 17. And it says there, when Paul and his companion had passed through Am what was it? Amphipolis, yes, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, in Greece that is, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Sounds a bit like a brethren assembly to me where people got up and just gave a word. And then you could do that in synagogues. People could stand up, read scriptures and talk about them. Fantastic. Explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer. Remember, they had just the Old Testament, and he's finding things in the Old Testament, and he's telling the Jewish people here that Jesus is the Messiah you've been longing for. So they came to, the, uh, sorry, they, uh, yes, had to suffer and rise from the dead. I keep getting sidetracked, sorry. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you, proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. And again, so you know, women's rights are a very big thing and have been for quite a while. The Church of Jesus, the Christian Church, is one of the, the organisations at the forefront of valuing and, you know, making women as important as men. Different, but still vital to God. So, and when people start telling you that you know the Church is misogynist and all the rest of it, it shouldn't be. Because the, the, the example given to us, not just by Paul and Silas, but by Jesus himself, it says the, diff the complete opposite. Okay, so that's, that's pretty good. Some people, when Paul gets up to speak in the synagogue in Thessalonica, some of them are actually convinced, this is right, this is great, this is, no, this is true. We want to know more about this. We want to know more about Jesus. We want to, we want to follow him. However... But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Mob rule took over. It's nothing new, is it? What do we see now? Mob rule. People are up in arms very, very easily these days. And there's a there's a protest or a demonstration at some point, and then there's a counter-demonstration from the other lot. And this is what happened. These, some of these Jews, they didn't just say, look, we don't agree with you. Can we agree to differ? No, 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 no. That's too easy. No, we have to do is we have to silence these people. We have to cancel these people. We have to get rid of them. So what we'll do is we'll go down and find every layabout and every 
good for nothing, every ne'er-do-well that is loitering around the marketplace and say, come on, come and join us, have a few shekels from us and we can, we can put a stop to this straight away. So they rounded up a load of people who couldn't really care less, but they just wanted to cause trouble. And these are some of the things that were going on. So they were, they were trying to get Paul and Silas. They were trying to get some of the others as well. They didn't like it. But against all the odds, the church was established because there were some who wanted to follow Jesus. Some who were convinced by the gospel. But if you look at this a little bit, just a little bit later in the same chapter, uh, because they, had, they were in fear of their lives, Paul and Silas, the church had started. There was something that could not be stopped. And, you know, the gospel of Jesus is something that cannot be stopped. How many people have tried to stamp out the gospel? How many people have tried to put a stop to this? And, of course, they've failed. So, Paul and Silas, it says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas... Where are we? To Berea. Away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish uh, synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were. Now, Berea is not very far away from Thessalonica. It really isn't all that far. But they went there and said that the Jews in Berea were more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed. Now, that is a better way of doing things, isn't it? In this day and age, when people come, some people come up against something they don't agree with, something that goes against the agreed, well, it's not been agreed by me, but the agreed narrative of the day, if you say something against that, you've got to be cancelled. And if you can't be cancelled, you're going to be shouted down, preferably hounded out of town if you can. But look at these, these Jews here. Similar idea, but they said, right, okay, let's just check this up. They looked through the scriptures, they checked it up, and they found, actually, what Paul and Silas are saying is true. And so many of them believed. Shouting down, cancelling, lack of free freedom of speech, it's nothing new. And Barry spoke um, a week or two back about... The, the number of Christians who put their name on the census and all the rest of it. Of course, the number there is less than half of the population. But of course, what some people say is a Christian and what we know to be a Christian is very different. So the numbers have always been an awful lot lower than the official statistics. And so in case anybody doesn't know what a Christian... A Christian is not just someone who comes to church. It is not just someone who owns a Bible. It is not just someone who occasionally says a prayer. Not just someone who thinks that Jesus was a great philosopher and had good ideas. A Christian is someone who has realized his own sin, his or her own sin. Has asked for forgiveness from God. Has asked Jesus to be their saviour, has agreed that Jesus took the penalty for our sin and asked Jesus to make them a new person, born again. Someone who has believed in God 
and put their trust in him and accepted Jesus as their personal saviour and taken that free gift of the forgiveness of their sins and have said, I want to follow you, Jesus, the days of my life. I want you to make me a new person. That is a Christian. You must be born again. And that's what that means. So anybody just says, yes, I'm a Christian, because, uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what Jesus said. That's not a Christian. A Christian who has a, is someone who has a personal relationship with the living God. That's a Christian. And so, just in case if there's anybody here who didn't, doesn't, didn't know that, um, you do now. Anyway, so these guys in Berea, they believed. But the thing was that back in Thessalonica, the church was established. So there were a load of troublemakers in town who didn't like the Christians. There were a lot of troublemakers in town who found that the, the message of Jesus Christ was unpalat unpalatable to them and they didn't like it. And they were trying to get a, put a stop to it. And it's in that kind of climate that God says to the Thess Thessalonians, keep on keeping on. And he's saying it to us this morning. Keep on keeping on. Even though it seems like the world is against us. And probably it's because the world is actually against us. And I'm going to go back to 2 Thessalonians 1. And this Paul writes this. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power... It may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the returning theme. See, he's thankful for the, that church in Thessalonica. And he wrote the first letter, and not too long afterwards he wrote the second letter, because still people hadn't actually received the message that he was putting forward. But throughout the books, those two letters, it keeps on going back to the fact that Jesus is coming again. Now Dave spoke last week, and he spoke about the, the chapter 2 of um, 2 Thessalonians, and one verse that stood out for me that he read last week is this one. And it says this, For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. And the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Do you feel that there is a secret power of lawlessness at work in our world, in our country. I, I think there is. I can see all sorts of things that actually give me evidence that. And I guess that if it was true 2,000 years ago in Thessalonica, it's at least as true today. That the secret power of lawlessness is at work in our society, sowing seeds of doubt in our mind about God telling things that have been established in his word right from the beginning, they're not true. 
undermining the values that we as Christians have, that actually the running of this country is based on, or has been based on, there's still a few vestiges of it, but it's gradually being eroded, the secret power of lawlessness. And it says it's still at work, it's at work, already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to hold it back. Now, who is the one who holds it back? Some of the older translations say, but he who holds it back or who restrains it. Now, who is that? Is that... Now, it's obviously the Holy Spirit is at work holding things back. But I also believe that we as Christians can hold back, can restrain the works of the evil one through the power of Jesus, not of our own strength. But you just imagine what this world would be like without Christians in it. Now you might say it's a lot, an awful lot better, actually. No, it's not true. It's not true. We have a restraining influence. Have any of you ever sort of been at work and people have watched what they say a little bit because you're there, because they know you're a Christian? I, I have. And think you are a restraining influence against the evil that is already at work in our world. And brothers and sisters, that is what we're being called to do. That is what the Thessalonians were being called to do. We're being called to be a restraining influence over the terrible evil that's in the world. You know, you hear what goes on. I mean, that lady who went and prayed silently in Birmingham near to an abortion clinic because she is against abortion. She's against the killing of children. She prayed silently. She was arrested because the policeman asked him, asked her, what are you doing here? She said, well, are you praying? She said, yes, but silently to God, between me and God. Right, arrest you. She was acquitted, but guess what? She went back and did it again. And the policeman said to her, oh, have you been praying? She said, I have, but silently. He said, well, that's the offence. He said, that's the offence. Now, I think he's wrong, but how can we get, as a Christian nation, or not a Christian nation, but a, a nation built on Christian principles, to the point where simply silently praying is an offence? How can we get to that stage? How can we get to the stage where various people have so much influence? I'll tell you why. It's simply because the devil is at work and the secret power of lawlessness is at work. Now, that can get you depressed. That can get you down. But guess what? We're on the victory side. We're on the side. They can, they can put us down. They can throw us in jail. They can do whatever they want to us. But they won't stop the kingdom of God. They won't and they can't. So we have to be that restraining influence against the secret power of lawlessness. And into 2 Thessalonians... I know it's getting late, I'm sorry... I'll just finish in, uh, in a while, when I've finished. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Sorry, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, as it was with you. 
and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing sorry, that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. He's with us. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the, in the Lord Jesus to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Now think of that. People in the church there were idle and disruptive. Not just idle, not just doing nothing, but idle and disruptive. So actually doing nothing constructive, but disrupting the, the running of the church and the spread of the gospel, actually. So I'm not suggesting that there's idle and disruptive people in this church. But what I'm saying is, we need to always be on our guard because very often the opposition comes from within the church. You look at some of the churches and some of the things that people believe in this country or don't believe and you think these people are disruptive unfortunately some of them are not idle you know I had a little metaphor idle and just you know just think of somebody in a rocking chair they think they're doing something they're rocking backwards and forwards but not actually going anywhere and if you just think of someone in a rocking chair rocking back and forth that's idle and then shouting a load of abuse and uh, stuff that's false. That's someone idle and disruptive. We don't want idle and disruptive people in the church. And we're told to be on our guard against them. And of course, just in this little passage here, um, Paul also says, for people, if you know that famous phrase, if you won't work, then you shouldn't be able to eat. Neither shall you eat. If you won't work. Now, some people can't work. That's different. But if you won't work, you don't deserve to eat. Because people had given up. They thought, Jesus is coming back. No point in going back to work. We'll just um, make trouble instead. That's no use. I heard this once as well. Someone said, there are th in a church, there are three types of bones. There are jaw bones. There are wish bones. And there are backbones. I think you know what that means. Jaw bones are just gossips and won't shut up. Wishbones, oh yeah, I wish things were better than this. Oh, I don't like it here. You know, the moaners. But the people with backbone keep doing what Paul is encouraging the church to do there. And just, I'll just bring this up again. I read to put this up a few weeks ago. About this quote from this chap called Gramsci. Socialism is precisely the, he means Marxism, is the religion, it is a religion that must overwhelm Christianity. These are the secret evil that's going on in the background. Social, in the new order, the new order, socialism will triumph for first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, yes, churches. Thank you. 
and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. These are the, the secret evil, secret power of lawlessness that's already at work. Because anybody who says we've got a new religion that's got got to replace Christianity and got to get into your churches, well, not so secret now, is it? But the God, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. The church in Thessalonica is told to keep going. Keep going. It's an uphill struggle. But just keep going against the opposition, against the persecution. And I believe the Lord is saying that to us today. Keep going. Keep on keeping on. We're not there yet. It's not time to stop. It's not time to sit back and relax. I'm pleased with you, but there's much more that I want for you. And we're looking forward to Jesus' returning. And we are some of the restraining influence in this world against the evil. But we have to keep going. Now, I don't know if you, you probably know this, but at school I was in the same class as Barry. I was in the same form, mostly throughout all the school. And with a, I'm a bit older than him, but um, we've been around a while. Thank you for that. And um, no, I was speaking to him. I said, "Look, I said, no, you know, time is is short, and I don't." I don't want to keep on going as an elder forever. I don't. I don't want to be the embarrassment. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the old duffer who just keeps on going and doesn't know when to stop. And Barry said, "You've left it a bit late for that." <laughs> We're not here forever. We're not here very long, really. But in the time that we have, Jesus is saying, keep on keeping on. Keep on going. I'm not going to be here forever, but until I'm taken, I'm going to keep on going. Will you keep on going for Jesus? Will you keep on keeping on? That uphill struggle, that uphill fight, because we, we can do it together. And that's what God is asking for. Keep on keeping on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for that message you sent out to the Thessalonians. The message that you're there. Not just there, you're coming back. Lord, we just know that you are that Saviour, that Lion of Judah, the one who has established all things, the one who has saved us the one who's called us by our name. And Father, we just want to say to you this morning, we want to keep on keeping on with you as long as the time we have here lasts. Father, we want to be your people wherever you put us. So Lord, bless each one of us. Bless all 
in our church here. Bless the church in this town that will be that restraining influence in the evil world that we will be your people. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.